Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast from the LPRC. And uh, I'm joined today by Tony D'Ofrio and Tom Meehan and our producer, Diego Rodriguez. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about what's going on with crime, loss, retail, and other global events. And I'll start with other global events, of course. Um, many of you know that uh, at the LPRC, we stood up um, what we call FusionNet on the Discord platform um, for our members to stay in touch, to feed intel and updates um, digitally, as well as on uh, voice channels. And uh, we did that during the pandemic, starting out with just sharing ways and ideas uh, and things that they needed to about uh, what they were seeing uh, and how things were changing, but especially during the looting and rioting that we saw in 2021 and so on, um, and continue to do so. And so during the, of course, Philly uh, looting incidents, uh, Discord was up, people sharing intel, uh, photos, videos, and other ideas. And then now with the um, the Hamas um, uh, horror uh, in Israel, the same thing due to the concerns around um, possible violence or threats or intimidation or just even just disruption at stores and store environments or with store employees or associates. So um, a lot of good intel and a lot of good involvement engagement. We're very appreciative. If you're an LPRC member, um, reach out to us at operations at lpresearch.com, excuse me, dot .org and learn about FusionNet. Um, uh, I'm just back from the International Association Chiefs of Police, IACP, uh, big convention in San Diego, a uh, wonderful opportunity and experience. And uh, I was there, Axon asked me to come out uh, to meet with their leadership and others to learn more about the, the suite of technologies and where they might fit into some of our initiatives, the, the Gainesville East Side, West Side, as well as Atlanta and Albuquerque. Um, and so we made great progress there. Also to talk with some other solution partners. And of course, a lot of chiefs of police there, they, um, hosted a breakfast um, with 125 chiefs and then uh, had another event with hundreds of chiefs. Um, and so I got the opportunity to meet with some of them, including our own uh, LPRC board advisor member, Chief Rich Del Toro of Port St. Lucie Police Department. Um, so uh, just a great time and a great opportunity to really think about uh, connecting to safeguard and to get things moving in places like Atlanta and Albuquerque, we've got a whole lot of planning and effort underway and already completed with a whole lot more to go um, in those two places, just like with what we're doing in Gainesville. Um, but it always, always helps to have partners and people with connections. And uh, the CEO of Axon, Taser, you know, Rick Smith, one of the uh, probably one of the brightest, most creative people in in any industry, but certainly uh, in how he's helping law enforcement create more public safety. And um, so some of his ideas and support, but also some of his contacts uh, will be very, very useful for what we're up to. Um, And then uh, now I'm heading out to San Antonio for Chain Store Age magazine, that publisher. Um, They have specs and next. X specs conference uh, out there in Texas and going out there to talk about crime prevention through environmental design. What are things? And this is a this is a gathering of store planners and um, the architects, designers, uh, people like that, the real estate people 
that are in charge of finding locations, building the stores, uh, rebuilding the stores and so on. So that's kind of what this is a great opportunity and event there um, to get involved and uh, help them better understand how to look at parking lots uh, overhead. Think about the ecosystem, not just to get customers and employees in, in and out quickly uh, and to give them the best access, but how to do the opposite for the bad guy. So the red actor that's there to commit that fraud or violence to victimize that place. And then uh, so I'm excited to get out there and work with that uh, really neat group. And um, meanwhile, we're planning for our February event, Ignite, that it will include again this year, the Integrate uh, Tabletop Exercise. Uh, this time we're working very closely with University of Florida Police Department, including their emergency services people, to put together a very, 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 very realistic um, active shooter event. And um, so that deep planning is going on, led by Dr. Corey Lowe, our senior research scientist here. And um, uh, we've also got a whole lot going on with our effect. Uh, Dr. Justin Smith on our team, a research scientist, is heading that uh, initiative as far as effect the offender decisions and all the things across the five zones, across the double bow tie. Um, while uh, Sam Young, Dr. Young, uh, another research scientist, is heading up our Connect, uh, both strategic and tactical share. And then Kayla Boyer, a research scientist here, is heading up the initiative as far as uh, what we're doing with DTEC, earlier and better detection and definition of threats. Um, and so part of what I was doing at IACP was making contacts with some Additional solution partners that have some uh, pretty exciting technology that would help us do just that, detect individuals and crews. Uh, and in both cases, we're going to be putting together some retrospective case studies. Pretty interesting, some major events that all of us have read about and know about from the media. Um, stay tuned on that. But we're going to leverage some of these exciting technologies and go back and do case studies uh, leveraging that because a lot of the things that we need have been archived, so the data sources. So what I'll do, though, with no further ado, let me turn this over to Tony Onofrio, uh, who's traveling the globe as per normal um, and uh, doing some exciting things with Centromatic, and uh, and then we'll go to Tom. So, Tony, take it away, if you would. Thank you very much, Reed, for those great updates, and it's good to see all the different things that you're involved in. It's good to see the industry embraces the work that the Loss Prevention Research Council is doing and getting a lot more active in it. I'm actually going to talk about my European tour and some of the things that I was doing in Europe over the last several weeks. And this is actually my second trip to Europe in the last month or so. Uh, and I actually wrote an article uh, on this topic in terms of what I saw in retail. It's called Let's Get Fidgetal and Get the Future Retail Party On. And it's really is a summary of what I saw in visiting these futuristic stores in Europe. And what became clear from those visits is that the linkage between physical stores and online e-commerce is growing stronger and much more innovative. Progressive retailers are moving on from omni-channel to what they call now digital, And differentiating between the two, the omni-channel consumer is one who shops using both online and offline channels Digital is the deliberate focused operational strategy to combine digital and physical experiences across channels. 
Fidgetal is all about the data created at the intersection of physical stores and e-commerce. At a strategy, it heavily embraces technology to deliver a differentiated and memorable consumer experiences. It's a natural evolution of the growing digitization trends around us, heavily embracing smartphones as windows into the shopping journey. As I said in the article, these trends provide examples, um, and then you can see them actually. Go to the article. It's on my webpage or also will be on LinkedIn later this week. It provides visual example in terms of what's going on. But looking at it from a consumer and what they're looking for, consumers are becoming much more discerning in terms of their shopping. 32% will leave a brand after a bad experience. 71% expect personalized experiences. 76% get frustrated with personalized interactions. Don't happen. Personalizing uh, uh, consumer experiences was the number one requirement uh, in the last RIS News uh, retail uh, store experience study. And in that study, uh, what they were talking about is that the top three were number one, personalizing the customer experience, number two, inventory visibility, and number three, empowering store associates. And I truly believe those are the top three priorities that make retail successful right now. And I actually talk about these whenever I do my global keynote on the future of retail, which I call the disruptive future of retail. And there's lots of other research that actually reinforces what I just said. Uh, PwC, uh, for example, just issued some new research that looked at uh, what consumers are looking for uh, as they go into stores. And they're actually looking for this blend of physical to digital. But number one, they want knowledgeable and helpful sales associates. But what's interesting is all the other stuff below it. They want to use self-service. They want to use shop on the retailer's web app in-store and still browse online at the same time. They want to click and collect services. They want the ability to scan and go on their phones. They want in-store entertainment. They want the ability to try immersive digital experiences. And they want the ability to book retail appointments. All that stuff is digital. It's really at the crossroads between physical stores and also online experiences. What's also interesting, retailers, because of their loyalty programs and because of the, the amount of value that they deliver, it's actually one of the most trusted industry. And you will actually see some data in the article that compares it to media and social media. So uh, really consumers trust the retail company as long as they get the value uh, from that experience. So it's important in terms of providing that value if they're going to give up some of their privacy and engage with you more from a digital uh, point of view. The combination of physical stores and online options have been underway for some time in my view. And in fact, the pandemic accelerated them. Um, some examples that really are, can be classified as digital are buying online and pick up in store, in-store associates accessing a customer profile that includes their online purchases and wish list to recommend products, buying online and having it shipped to your home, looking at makeup in a store and then virtually trying it on via argumented reality, visiting a store, trying a shirt and buying it later online, and customers using self-checkout at stationary point of sale or on their smartphone. 
and there are some additional examples that I that I saw in Europe, which were really, really interesting. The first one was actually the ability to just throw a whole bunch of garments inside a basket at checkout. And then the RFID I actually automatically rings them up and all you got to do is pay. And I saw that at multiple stores, including Zara, which is part of Inditex and Uniglo. But I know also Decathlon has a similar type of an approach where you can ring up all the items automatically using RFID. One of my other favorite one I saw in a couple stores in Europe where they had QR codes all over the walls and throughout the store. And basically, when you scan that QR code, you instantly switch from the physical store to the online store. And you can basically use it as the extended aisle and keep shopping both in store and outside the store. All these stores that I saw actually had interactive screens throughout the store where you can actually either go up and ask questions or you can again, you can buy from the interactive screen by going to the website. So if you don't see something in the store, either a store associate can take you to the screen and find it online for you or you can find it yourself. I also saw the the, the future of fitting rooms. Uh, Zara, for example, offers an RFID enable check-in area where you put your garment next to a wall. It basically counts them for you so you know how many items are going into the fitting room and then assigns you a personalized fitting room. So it tells you go to fitting room number four. That one is open right now. And then in another store, I saw actually the next phase of that, which is having smart mirrors inside the fitting room and actually uh, having that smart mirror recommend based on what you brought in other products to go along with it or for you to call an associate to get a different size. So really the fitting room is interactive. And finally, one of my favorite example, one retailer had a fitting room that was designed for TikTok. It actually had some really wild colors and some wild text all over the wall. And the idea here is you find something that you like, you go in there and you shoot a TikTok video and then you post it and you hope you get some viral content uh, in terms of what you're getting there. There was also examples of making it much easier to return products that you bought online using QR codes. One retailer had the ability to recycle clothes through some interactive things, so old used clothes that you bought from them, you had uh, to actually bring them back. But the other really great experience finally was actually going to the Nike uh, London town um, London Nike Town. It's a huge store in, uh, on Oxford Street in London. And it reminded me of some of the things that Nike is doing in the digital space, and it, including a, a shoe bar where customers can customize their Nike shoes, cameras and sensors that surround a basketball court, and treadmill that offer feedback on performance, in-store in trainers that use data to provide advice and assistance to analyze results, to make product recommendation. In the Nike app, shoppers can access early product drops and solicit styling advice from experts. And then the brand uh, Nike training club app puts the brand's gear to work with personalized home workouts and helps sneakerheads locate rare and highly sought off after pairs, plus sign up for personalized notifications on new drops. So it's interesting how there's, again, this digital, which is, again, the combination of physical stores with online and making it seamless and actually making it fun for the two uh, to bridge each other. So by 2026, 
according to eMarketer, 76% of total retail stores will still be in physical stores. So they're going to remain a critical element of the for the industry, which is good news for the people that have stores, but they need to have more of these digital to physical experiences, which are going to differentiate the fastest growing retailer. So I think it's time we start thinking more about digital and get the retail party on to a brighter future of retail. So that's a little bit from my European tour. With that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Reed. A lot to report uh, this week. Wanted to start off with, uh, if you're listening, and I know this is a repetitive statement, and you're not involved in the Loss Prevention Research Council's fusion that you should be uh, with the unfortunate events that are happening in Israel. We've been very, very active on the fusion net. Uh, for the listeners that don't recall, the fusion net is something where our members can share active intelligence data. Uh, this is a kind of social platform to help folks prepare for weather disruption, civil uh, disruption, protests, and other global or national events that could impact. It's kind of a way to share current intel and validate. As we know, a lot of times when there's events occurring, information is happening in real time and there's a necessity to uh, help kind of for lack of better words, plan and understand what is real and what is not. So we have a lot of data there. I'll kind of recap a little bit in um, the the invasion or uh, attack on Israel. There's been a tremendous amount of uh, protests throughout the globe, both for and against Israel, so pro-Palestine, Israel, as well as a heightened terror alert uh, for the United States and really abroad as well. I just actually just uh, landed back home from the Middle East just a couple hours ago um, and uh, very, very similar. Uh, it was uh, in Dubai to what's being talked about here in the United States is there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of misinformation being spread. So the Fusion Net is a place where everybody can get together. Right now, I think just a couple key factors or things to be aware of is one, that the FBI has issued uh, a warning. While there are no specific credible threats, um, there is a heightened uh, warning to stay vigilant uh, for potential domestic terror. Uh, Also, the U.S. State Department has um, heightened its travel alert for folks that are traveling abroad and and basically it's a worldwide caution alert so you can get more information about that Uh, but this is not specific it to um, a country they did do worldwide there are regions where they're saying that pardon me there's more to be done but basically the caution is uh, due to growing tensions and violence around the world that there is um, an actual travel alert for everybody to be aware of. So if you're traveling abroad and definitely to to stay more vigilant, paying attention, staying out of certain regions, I think that the worldwide alert um, is something that, while unfortunate, was not necessarily uh, something that wasn't expected with something that's going on. Um, the 
it, the, I'll read the alert. It's uh, due to increased tensions in various locations around the world, the potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens are in, uh, and are increasing in interest in, of interest. The Department of State advises U.S. citizens overseas to exercise increased caution. U.S. citizens should stay alert in location frequented by tourists, enroll in the smart uh, travel program and that way they'd receive you'd receive alerts and follow the department of state uh, on both facebook and twitter these are things as a, if you are a frequent traveler i mean i know that uh the a lot of folks here are that i'd recommend anyway i think that it's good to be aware of what's occurring especially if you're a uh, international traveler there's a quite a bit that occurs in in somewhat real time but this heightened alert is really just as much about vigilance and staying smart um pardon me, as, as anything else. But I think one of the things I would say is if you are someone that is a frequent traveler, be aware of what's going on um, in the areas you are. Pay special attention to what's occurring around you. And if at all possible, stay out of uh, areas where there are protests. I, I can tell you that just coming back from the Middle East, I did not see um, uh, a big big change. I was at a trade show with over 100,000 people at it. Um, and while folks were definitely 100% talking about it, uh, there wasn't a, at all an increased security threat. And in some of the regions of the Middle East, there are, are heightened alerts all the time. I actually spoke to someone that said that this was the, a fairly normal event in their, in their area and that they were prepared for it. So again, reminder for everybody to please join um, the FusionNet if you're a member. Uh, there are there are and have been protests uh, daily throughout the world and uh, throughout major U.S. cities. Um, some have uh, unfortunately become violent. Uh, most have been peaceful, but I would definitely encourage everybody to join and, and stay connected. Wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit to uh, the time of year that you know the holiday season is fast approaching. So there has been an increase already in phishing scams related to package deliveries, be very aware of that. I think one of the trends that we're starting to see, which we know, I know we've talked about here, this trend is heightening more. Uh, and we've talked about it several times in the podcast is alerts via email or text that as opposed to asking you for information or asking you to call. Um, this is a psychological ploy and they're not asking you for anything in that text message. Call Call this number to validate or verify, and then there's a human interaction occurring. Uh, rule of thumb is to double, triple check anything. If you're not expecting anything, not missing anything, uh, be aware of it. Other thing is look at your links, look at the phone numbers, look at the text messages. Um, these are these are scams that uh, are all about timing and usually are masked, you know, masked in the sense that they're sent out in large, large. Uh, groups to hope casting that large net to hope to get some sort of response. Additionally, I think we we may have mentioned this once before. There is an ATM scam that uh, seems to be increasing, uh, which in, uh, which is when uh, the card port that you put your card in your card reader is glued shut, so that you use contactless payment, and then there is a person in the area that employs a social engineering tactic to try to distract you. Um, and hope that you'll leave the ATM unattended before the session is closed and remove money. There, unfortunately, uh, in the last couple months, have been victims that have uh, lost several thousand dollars. One victim uh, basically 
<clears throat> was susceptible to this. And in their account, uh, the person took as much as they could before it stopped. Uh, while this this is de very dependent on banks, because one of the, the tactics that these folks rely on is the, the, the ATM does not require a pin or interaction after one transaction's complete. I know um, I went to my bank and took a look at it. And as soon as any transaction's complete, it requires you to put your pin and number in again. So uh, I think there's some banks that have some fail safes put in, in place here. But the idea here is um, glue forces you to use the tap or the contactless feature. And then in, in turn, someone tries to distract you to get away from it while the session is still active. Thought process here is before you would not walk away because your card was in place. Now that your card's not in place, you could get distracted and leave. Um, there are even tactics being deployed where folks are walking up behind the person with, you know, what looks to be bank attire and saying this ATM's out of service, putting a sign on it while it's still active and going ahead and trying to withdraw monies. This is happening at a high enough rate that it's starting to circulate. So I thought it would be pertinent to talk about that here. Um, uh, as usual, we'll talk kind of about the normal circumstances that occur with cybersecurity. There have been multiple uh, uh, rashes of large ransomware attacks. Uh, what, what we continue to say is to stay vigilant and stay aware of what's occurring. Um, when in doubt, don't click on that link. If you're not expecting an attachment from someone, don't go ahead and open it. Do not execute any programs. These are all basics, but while it may seem repetitive, we continue to see a, a huge trend of this. So with that, everybody say state, say safe, and I'm going to turn it back over. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Reed, for all those great updates. Uh, keep listening, listeners. Uh, we l enjoy giving you this great update. More importantly, get engaged with the Loss Prevention Research Council. It's where we're going to define how retail goes next. And as my friend Mike Lamb put it at LPRC Impact, get our stores back. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 